Welcome to our next episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. This is Bob Mosier, one of the many co-hosts you'll meet throughout this series. So friends, are you trying to learn more about the five moments of need? Maybe how to design for them, implement for them, measure them, and even sell them as an approach to your enterprise. Well, in the Performance Matters series, we will help you better understand the theory and best practices behind this powerful methodology. Welcome, everybody. This is Tom Gottfriedson, and it's my honor to be able to interview and talk today with John Linderman, who is a remarkable learning leader and who has been over the last couple of years doing some remarkable work as it relates to workflow learning and the five moments of need. He and his team have really been able to extend the five moments of need methodology into a very important area of work. John, welcome. Would you take just a minute and introduce yourself to everyone who is uh, listening to this podcast and then tell us a little bit about your team and what uh, you're charged with supporting. Thank you, Con. My role at General Mills is I am the senior manager for supply chain learning and development as part of a broader team supporting our supply chain and specifically supporting our manufacturing sites in North America. So the supply chain learning and development team supports supply chain all the way from sales and marketing to product delivery, as well as manufacturing. And I'm really focused on the manufacturing team. And I have dotted line relationships to L&D leaders in 25 of our North America manufacturing sites. So some of the background that we have and what interested us in five moments of need was we were seeing uh, a lot of challenges that only were accelerated with the pandemic a few years ago. We started experiencing many higher turnover rates, started even before the pandemic, but of course, we're just accelerated there. And even though we, we worked very hard and very smart in reducing those turnover rates, we know that this is a trend that's that's not specific to pandemic. It's not specific to our company. In fact, Gardner Research says that the rate of turnover is going to just continue to increase as much as 75% higher than it was pre-pandemic. So the situation, when you think about high turnover and getting people skilled up to be able to perform in manufacturing and keep us competitive, we realized there was a, a large challenge there, right? And something that we needed to solve. We're trending much better than the rest of the industry is, but we still see it as that ongoing challenge. Well, one of the things that uh, became very clear to me when we began working with you is that you don't have the luxury of pulling people off the manufacturing line and training them and then sending them back in in a traditional model. You have an approach that is a real-time, bring them on board, team them up with somebody who knows what they're doing, and then put them to work. And then as soon as you can turn the line over to that person, that new person, uh, you do it. Is that fair to say? That is such a good way to capture it, Con. That is true. And and that may be a difference for some other industries, but in manufacturing, we really need to get value from our investment in folks as quickly as we can. And as you mentioned, the idea that we can train them off the floor and then eventually bring them into their shift and have them able to contribute is not realistic in the least. 
the things that people need to learn first to be able to deliver on, you can't really learn without actually doing the work. Yeah. You yeah. learn some foundations, but you got to learn how to do the work itself. Well, that's what is so impressive to us is that learning while doing is really what workflow learning is all about, right? And uh, this model of uh, having people stop work, train them, and then having them figure out how to transfer what they've learned to their work, that's not your model. So that's right. When What was it that brought you to us and to the, the five moments of need and workflow learning? Yeah, so yeah, my manager, Sivram Jambanathan, who's the HR director of supply chain learning and development, had awareness of the summit. And so he shared that opportunity with us. We talked about the value that that might bring and pulled together a team of volunteers who wanted to go with us on this learning journey to think about what value we might get from five moments of need. Yeah, and you pulled together a remarkable team, rep representatives from five different plants. And these folks worked very hard at getting up to speed. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That's right. They have indeed worked very hard to get up to speed. One of the things that we liked about laying the groundwork for this work was the summit itself, but the preparation for the summit, I think, helped us build our own internal cohort for how we should be thinking about this in manufacturing as, as the representatives of our broader group. So the experience of the prep work for the summit, the summit itself, very important to build that vision and energy in our team. And then I think what really was critical to our success afterwards was the partnership with your company in helping us go through more step-by-step -step the process of thinking about how we implement in manufacturing. Well, the, the team came to the summit last year having really read the digital ebook on workflow learning. They were really loaded and ready and raring to go, weren't they? How do you feel like the summit helped move them forward and prepare them to be able to then move into this mm -hmm. change that you're working to bring about it at General Mills? Yeah, I think the, the couple of things that I would say the most value from the summit brought to our team was, first, again, being able to envision the possibility, right? Connecting with other folks, had examples of what this might look like, was really helpful. I think the fact that we did it as a team, as a cohort, internal team, really helped ignite that energy and that fire to move forward. And then, of course, having some connections with other folks who attended, I think, was also useful. That was the main value of this summit, I think. Yeah. Having a great, beautiful location uh, to, to do it in and uh, have that time away from work together also. I think was a critical component for getting the fire started. Let me ask you this. Since the summit, how have things gone and what uh, what have been your accomplishments? Again, as I mentioned briefly, we spent some time with you in taking a deeper dive into implementation, what the process looks like for developing digital coach, what the overall environment looks like and how you then use that digital coach to change how you support folks in learning. And so that was a period of time that, that we struggled with, frankly, in some ways, Con, when you think about 
trying to get our heads around the, the similarities and the differences from what we're doing now and what the significance of that is. I think that you will remember <laughs> some of the struggles in conceptual things that we spent some time trying to break through, like why are certain pieces of the process important? What is it going to build for us in the end? That's going to change our environment and change the change our ability to have people able to be productive. You know, the real challenge that I have observed has been how do you just bring people right in? There's no formal training. You bring them in, them up with a coach who really isn't a trained coach, so to speak. And how That's do right. you? How do you get them up and going in a way that is efficient and effective? And so one of the most exciting things for me was certainly designing the digital coach within a technology that you are already implementing across your plants. And, you know, you did a brilliant job in taking apart that technology and figuring out how to apply the fundamental functionality of a digital coach but then to actually develop a coaching model, you know, a systematic coaching model that a coach, an untrained coach could follow, you know, and bring their people to success. Can you share a little bit about that model, what that looks like? Yes, I think that you, you did address something really important when we think about a major shift in paradigm. This is the thing that's been a little bit of a struggle for our team we anticipated being a, a larger struggle for more of our team is this idea of breaking away from this, this thought that we have to train people very well, one-on-one, -on -one, person to person, to be able to help them build up enough knowledge and skill to eventually be able to execute their work. And so the, the framework of Digital Coach, being able to get people close very quickly to how do I do this thing I'm challenged with today? Two clicks, 10 seconds, allows us to start thinking about, we don't have to be the force that makes people gain their skills and knowledge. We can have the model that helps support them. And then our role is to coach, very different from training. We've spent time over the last few years, many years, obsessing over how do we get our trainers to be better trainers? And it's like, that's actually not the real solution here. <laughs> yeah. So the coaching model, we were able to use the critical impact of failure ratings to take and look at uh, all of the different job tasks that people had. So your team learned how to conduct rapid workflow analysis. The team did that and, and mapped their particular work that their people are doing at their specific plant. And then we use critical impact of failure ratings to be able to determine the kind of coaching that we would do. And your That's team right. with some very brilliant ideas on how to make that easy and implementable, you know, on the floor. What's a little bit about that? Yeah, that's one of the things I loved about the way our team was able to work together as a cohort is this taking theory to practicality in our environment. As you mentioned, this criticality and complexity of task helps inform us as to where do we actually need high touch? 
in helping people learn and ensuring they're building their skills and, and capabilities versus where can they self-serve? Again, a great enabler for changing our framework on how do we enable performance in our sites. It was, again, interesting, a lot of push back and forth. Uh, I would say some push back with, with you when we were going through the training on how to think about it, how to approach it. The team among themselves calibrating, saying, well, here's how we think we can make this more practically applicable and still stay true to the intent. Yeah. Your ability to coach that and say, yeah, that actually would work. That does meet the intent. Those are all the things that I think were super powerful in getting people to continue their passion and their insistence on continuing to move forward despite any kind of challenges that they work through. Yeah. One of the fundamental principles in the methodology, five moments of need methodology, is to establish a learning path, in your case, a coaching path. And so we identified a very simple and straightforward coaching path that the team helped simplify and make sure that that coaching path would work in your world, just as you explained. Mm -hmm. And so that path is one where the coach initially, when someone steps onto the line to be trained, they show how to do something. And then they will teach about when there's a skill that requires an understanding of supporting knowledge that's critical for those that are highly uh, complex skills, they would take time with the digital coach to do, do a little bit of teaching, but only for those skills where the critical impact of failure is significant to catastrophic. For the simple, those skills that where the consequences of failure are not so high and where they're not mm -hmm. uh, as, as complex, they would just bring them in, show them how to do it, and then turn them loose and actually get them up and going with those skills using the digital coach in a very quick and fast way and watch them as they do it, let them make mistakes and learn. But for those skills that were simple and straightforward and where the critical impact of failure was not significant, we wanted them to experience success quickly. And so we marked those as green. So all the tasks that were green in a given mm -hmm. training module, they would just show how and then watch with feedback and then quickly turn that over. That was the green path, right? And then we had the red That's path, right. the red path where the critical impact of failure is significant to catastrophic and that they would show how or demonstrate with the digital coach right there so that the learner could see the steps. And then they would teach them about the conceptual things that they need to do. While they were right there, they would give them time within the digital coach to study that. And then they would have them watch. The coach would then start to turn that over and allow them to use the digital coach, but watch them carefully. And then over time, step back and let them take that on. Is that a fair description of the coaching plan? Yeah, I think it's a really good description. And to, to build on that, Con, I would say that one of the things that this approach, thinking about how do we say what's the higher risk, where do we need to invest the time versus where can people be more independent from the get-go, is one of our key values in General Mills is we need to figure out how to apply appropriate effort when we're doing our work. 
And it's always been difficult in this training world to differentiate where do we really spend more time and effort, one-on-one touch versus where do we not need to. And this methodology about discovering what that is and then giving some framework to it for our coaches enables us to apply that, but also enables us to onboard our coaches more quickly as well into the role. Like here's where you apply the effort. Here's where you're going to take more of a backseat in the learning. Thank you. Well, now that you've been at this for a while, do you have any advice for others who are just starting out? What kind of advice can you give them to help them get to where they need to get to as quickly as possible? I would say for speed, thinking about your organization, you know, how broadly are you envisioning going? I think the approach of getting a few folks as a cohort in your team, if you're thinking about going broad, is a great place to get the runtime and the understanding of how this will apply in your organization so that it's more of a, you have the inputs of all the folks on that cohort versus only one or two in your organization, kind of figure out the in the end, how will it look and feel to people? What's the acceptance look like? One of the things that I I loved about what we've achieved to date is we've had some real challenges in getting our digital coaches up and running at our manufacturing sites. I know you've heard quite a bit about those challenges as we work through them together. Some of the having to do with what kind of mobile devices do you have to be able to provide that information where people need it. And then differences in our technology from site to site have provided some challenges. But what is super exciting, Con, and a little bit unexpected, is that at a number of our sites, despite the challenges, despite the speed of actually having a digital coach, proof of concept on the floor, people using it and getting runtime, is at the sites, our leaders have managed to bring people along through the RWA process, through the critical task identification process. And that has built this this buy-in with folks that even if they're seeing these things that didn't just go as planned yet, they still have energy. And there's people saying, I want this, even though they haven't actually seen it in action yet. That is remarkable to me (laughs) in our environment. Very often it's like, yeah, that didn't work. (laughs) Let's try something else. (laughs) Yeah. Well, John, it's a remarkable team and you're doing just amazing things. What's been thrilling for me is to see you and to work with the team and to identify challenges that are unique to manufacturing and apply the principles of the Enable methodology, you know, uh, yes, to not get caught up in the technical steps of things, but to apply the principles. That's right. Adapt the steps to meet those principles. And so the coaching model was just a thrilling thing to see that emerge. And now we're getting to that place where we're going to be able to gather data and demonstrate rapid time to proficiency and then rapid recovery for when things, the line goes down. This is the exciting time. So we'll look forward to another podcast down the road when we've fully implemented these things at General Mills. But thank you for your time. Is there anything else that you'd like to share before we end uh, this podcast? Yeah, I think that one of the things that I, I didn't mention in what my advice would be to people moving forward if they want to go quickly is I think the value 
of working with your team through that first implementation versus just trying to go off of what we learned at the conference and <laughs> have at it from there was really valuable. I know there was a point at which we made a decision about, is this something we want to go forward with just based on what we had learned so far with the book and the conference, or did we want to invest in the partnership, the teaching and coaching from your team? And I remember the conversation where it was, my response was, well, we have a choice. We can muddle through and not know, you know if we're on, the, on track, do a lot of, of fooling around like that, or we could get that assistance and then have that confidence and assurance as we're building that we're actually getting to the end goal. And I would say that if you want to do more than just explore, I would definitely think about partnering with your company on that first implementation for the real learnings. Because again, that, that transition between theory and practicality is really important. We want to stay true to the intent. And sometimes it's great to have outside ex expertise to help us evaluate, are we staying true <laughs> when yeah. we make the adjustments yeah. we think are important? Well, you certainly are doing amazing things. Thank you, John, for taking some time and joining us today. And thank you all for listening in to this podcast and more to come. Well, that's it for this episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. We look forward to future conversations around how to best put the five moments of need into practice. We welcome your feedback and can be reached on Twitter using my Twitter handle at BMOSH, as well as our Five Moments of Need website, which is www.thenumber5momentsofneed.com. We hope you're finding these helpful and will subscribe to future episodes. Have a great day, friends.